Welcome to Positivity Strategist, a podcast that injects a good deal of optimism and possibility into your life at home and at work. Conversations with thought leaders and everyday people shine the light on what works and amplifies those everyday micro moments of positivity, irrespective of what else is going on. You'll be energized by lots of practical tips, inspiring you to live a truly satisfying and meaningful life. Hello, everybody, and welcome to this episode 89 of Positivity Strategist. And I'm your host, Robin Stratton Burkessel. So today I'm offering positivity strategies of a highly practical and a very different kind. I'm focusing on marketing. I get asked frequently by my peers and students and others about how I do my marketing. So just as a reminder, and if you're listening for the first time, a warm welcome to you. And um, let me just remind all of you that this podcast focuses on the principles and the practices of appreciative inquiry, positive psychology, and strengths-based approaches to change. And it's my mission to bring more awareness of the power of this work that we do to more people And this podcast is an excellent way to do that. So with that being the focus of the content of the show and why people listen, there's also a growing curiosity about why else do I do a podcast and what does it take? So today, I'm going to share with you how I got my brand, PositivityStrategist.com, to show up on page one of Google, where you, when you search for the term appreciative inquiry. And what does that mean? And what does it take? So my guest today is visionary digital strategist who will address some of the ways about how you can help your brand, your business, and that you can be more easily found and connect with others more sustainably on the web. Now, if you have a small business, you're an author, a podcaster, a consultant, or you create content, or you offer professional services of any kind, I think you're going to find this information really valuable. So, a big warm welcome to you, Jürgen Burkessel. Welcome to the show. Hi, Robin. (laughs) I'm so thrilled that you have finally accepted my invitation to talk about how you help small business owners and content creators grow their visibility on the web. So again, thank you, Jürgen, and a warm welcome to you. Thank you. Love being here. Thank you. (laughs) That's so good. So just a little bit of context, um, and it kind of tells you how I started my journey and how I got to where I am today. So it was actually about 12 years ago that I started writing out my vision statements daily, and it was a practice of affirming my life's vision, both personally and professionally. And one of the statements that I wrote way back then, and this was like 2006, I said, I'm grateful for being contacted by people all over the world as a thought leader in my field. And I would write that out and I wrote it out and I wrote it out. And I didn't have to state how I'd do that. It was just about affirming my vision. And that was just one of my seven vision statements. However, At the time, I was thinking that it would take publishing a book, giving talks, that would make it happen, and both of which were also on my vision statements, by the way, but I hadn't articulated a clear strategy at that time about having a global presence. And I didn't know what I didn't know at the time, 
and I hadn't considered that my presence on the World Wide Web would be the medium or the delivery channel that would bring that vision to life. I mean, crazy when I look back now, right? It's so obvious. But I wasn't thinking that way 12 years ago. And this was, you know, before the social media explosion began. Facebook is just starting. LinkedIn had started a couple of years early and Twitter was coming on board. So it was pretty early days. So that vision, I wrote that down every day for two to three years. And today it's being lived out. Now, just kind of quick um, into this story, a book did help, talks helped, good clients helped, and it grew exponentially in the last five years when I followed recommendations to get strategic advice about my web presence and how I showed up on the web. So today I do get contacted by people who ask for all kinds of support and resources um, and help and they email to thank me for what I offer on the web. And my colleagues ask me, almost surprised, Robin, how come your business is on page one of Google when I search for the term appreciative inquiry? So today, you're going to get some of those answers. And I've been waiting for Jürgen to join me on the show for some time. I got lucky. So he's willing to talk about his work as a digital strategist and how his business helps um, other podcasters, bloggers, authors, business owners, entrepreneurs grow their digital presence. Um, so Jürgen, I, I've said enough. And so I would love you, perhaps before I get into some specifics with you and you get into some really rich um, information that you can share with us, um, perhaps you can just give us an overview of your professional background, you know, specifically how you bring your appreciative lens to the work that you do for your clients. Is that a good starting point? <laughs> sure. Uh, I guess I can go back a little bit in time. You don't become a positivity strategist overnight. You also don't become a digital strategist overnight. And uh, you know, I've had in history and, and background in the arts, in music, and in things thoroughly unrelated to marketing or content strategy. You know, I loved, I studied photography. I moved to New York in order to be a photographer and this was all, as you said, you know, sort of before. We're old chooks, right? I mean, this was before the internet. So we've seen this amazing medium develop. And over time, we've all been impacted by it and have navigated it in one respect or another. For me, that navigation took form of a career in technology at one point when photography and the arts just weren't as sustainable. At times, I wished I had stuck with just being an artist, but... You know, things did work out a different way and creativity can have many forms. So I was able to sort of practice and, and develop my creativity and shift from visual arts or from auditory arts into uh, designing user experiences. And uh, I had a career, you know, in a financial institution and was able to found what's now a commonplace job, but back then in sort of the middle age of the internet, you know, didn't really exist, which is customer experience and user experience. So I sort of had this journey from being a technician or being someone who writes software or who, pro you know, produces solutions for the financial industry to chunk that up a little bit and then start thinking about, well, 
why are we doing this? What's the experience of the users that are using our systems really like? How can we improve that? How can we touch them a little bit differently? And that became a role that I really valued because it, it was it seemed like a level up from just being a technician. It seemed like a level up from it was utilizing the technology for a greater good or for a customer experience. And now that I've left the banking industry like some seven, eight years ago, you know, when we started Polymash, which is our current digital strategy agency, and that's been a journey in and of itself. But, um, you know, but that also has been around connecting entrepreneurs, solopreneurs, authors and speakers with the higher purpose of with getting their message out there and heard and getting in front of an audience utilizing this new medium called the internet. And uh, so that's been a really fabulous motivation for me is to basically connect folks like that with technologies that seemed out of reach for many of us even just a few years ago. You know, the available tools and the techniques are ever more broadening. You know, they are available to many more people. And if you can just avail yourself of it somehow, and in some cases overcome your resistance or fear of technology, and, and you know, if you're curious about it, um, there are some amazing things that you can do to get your, you know, to get your platform uh, out there and noticed. Mm. And so you, you're talking about like your branding and, and so on, how you can be really become very visible on the web when you talk about those things. Yeah, web and social media. And, right. uh, you know, okay. I, I think there are, you know, there are multiple, um, you know, that it all starts to work together at one mm. point or another. Mm. Um, you know, for many of us, I think we are sort of, you know, we were impregnated by the early days of the Internet with some misconceptions or with some with beliefs that we today carry along with us and that I think the younger generation doesn't quote-unquote suffer from. Mm -hmm. You know, there are much more freeing ways to think about it or like I observe younger people not being shy mm -hmm. and, you know, putting themselves out there. They're on video. They're just, you know, very easily mm. are comfortable with the entire concept of, of new media, of marketing, of podcasting, mm -hmm. of video, um, they have no qualms talking off the cuff for a half a minute or so mm -hmm. to put some videos out there. Very many of us sort of are perfection focused and, you know, we prepare very carefully of what we're <laughs> going to see. You know, it's, it, it comes a little harder, you know, when you're a little bit older. Yeah. So just um, you've given us an indication of the kind of people that you, you're working for. And I'm just wondering if there are any patterns or themes that you find keep coming up, you know, when people approach you about what they want to achieve. So is there, is there some, can you generalize to that degree? It's always a bad idea too, but, um, but one of the things that has happened repeatedly is, is that people think that they have a website or a traffic issue, you know, like, oh, my website is old or old fashioned looking. I think people have this intuition that, you know, maybe they need to do something differently online or they need to present themselves differently online. And, uh, you know, that's been a pattern, you know, that people come to me thinking that, well, what I need is a better website or a better page. They, they think in terms like that. Mm -hmm. And what we found, you know, even when we did app development, which was a thing for us for a while, mm -hmm. right? We didn't just develop web applications, but we developed mobile applications. Um, this sort of appreciative, we, we utilize the appreciative inquiry in some of our projects to really dig down deeper 
and discover what the goals and ambitions of organizations were, what existing strengths they already had, and how that could be leveraged in a different way. Mm. And often the answer to that is not just a better website or web page, right? It just doesn't stop at, you know, I I need a better website, or it's like old-fashioned looking, or it's not mobile optimized. You know, those are some of the easy answers. And depending on where people are in their journey, they are also accurate answers. But often it was not about the website. It was about their overarching ambitions, their overarching goals, you know, their overarching vision that they wanted to achieve mm-hmm. and getting them in contact with that. Uh, so to give a practical example, often it's what you talk about, whether, whether your site is a brochureware that tells people what it is that you do or how you do things, you know, that is very different from engaging with an audience and asking questions and really sort of valuing. And this, this we call this inbound strategy of where you are really putting yourself in the shoes and, in, you know, and develop the quote unquote persona or some people call it the avatar of who potential visitors to your website or potential fans for your content and potential fans of you and your story are. And, you know, the the better that you understand that, the better you can start positioning stories and contexts, you know, that are fully aware of that on your website and create experiences of how people basically traverse and travel through your web presence to discover more of what they're interested in, not necessarily what it is that you're selling or what you're trying to offer or the direction in which you're trying mm. to push them. Mm. So the more you know, honoring, the more honoring you can be of the audience that's coming to your site mm. and is giving you some of their time, and the more you can adjust to that and start shaping the you know the content on your website and the layout. So it's, you see that it's, what the point I'm trying to make is, is that it goes beyond the design mm. um, or the visual design at least. It gets towards the type of content, the type of questions mm. you're answering, and ultimately the way in which you're engaging with those mm. visitors that are mm. coming. So you're talking, and this is linking back, linking back to the customer experience, right? So you're really... Um, putting into practice, you know, what might the potential customer or the client come to the website and what might they be looking for and how might they progress through your website? So you, so I imagine you're talking about how you make that more easily for them. Absolutely. Yeah. I mean, I think, again, just if I could throw in a really quick practical example, Mm -hmm. um, you know, most people are under this misconception that their homepage you know, is the most important things and the origin of how people uh-huh. discover their site. Right. And that's not so. Right. Um, you know, most people, I mean, at least on Google, mm-hmm. um, and even when you share things on social media, mm-hmm. the entry point to most people's website is through its content, meaning its blog posts, or in your case, for example, a podcast episode. Mm-hmm. And if you are intentional enough, and this is the entire idea behind mm. inbound marketing is creating content with intentionality. Mm-hmm. And the intention is to attract people to to stick around and to read the whole article and for that article to be the answer to what they looked for. The most definitive and best content out there that that would presumably exist on how they and on what they looked for. So um so the thing is, is that the blog entry, usually blog posts that have become popular, that's the entry point to your site. 
the next most often clicked resource is the about page. You know, once somebody reads, once a new visitor who's never known anything about your content before gets captivated by what you just wrote about or how you've presented or what they've listened to, mm -hmm. the next usual most popular page is, you know, they go to the about page and they read a little bit about, well, who is this person? Mm -hmm. You know, I really like this. You know, mm -hmm. how can I, how can I find out a little bit more? Mm -hmm. And the homepage winds up being sort of like in the back of the queue there. It does get visited at some point and it does have an important role. And certainly if you're sending people there directly, it needs to be welcoming or it needs to mm -hmm. basically create a journey through which people travel um, you know, but that is almost a secondary sort of a consideration. It's really content strategy really relies on you producing answers to the questions that people have around your subject matter and mm -hmm. around your expertise. So say a little bit more about content strategy. How do you advise people on that? Well, I guess if, if we define it as content with a purpose or designing content for both your audience and the search engines, ah. that's where we, you know, differ a little bit. And the things are converging. I mean, I, you know, I could talk for hours about Google and their algorithms, but Google does play a big role in sending some traffic your way. And if you can manage to have your content be discoverable and popular or, you know, rank highly on Google, then that is worth something, then it's worth a lot. Mm -hmm. And um, content marketing and content strategy have had this reputation of uh, being hard to measure and it's hard to measure the effectiveness of that. Well, I write all this content, you know, so what? Uh, nobody's coming to my site mm. um, and I'm not getting enough traffic, right? So a lot of people are thinking that they have a traffic problem. And I'll get back to that in a little bit. There's a worth exploring because I, you know, my attitude is, is that, well, no, you could buy the traffic. And if, if you bought the traffic or if I gifted you 10,000 visits to your website, what do you think would happen? How do you convert that? What, you know, what would be the end result of those, those 10,000 people coming and visiting your site and learning something about you? And do you have the infrastructure? Do you have what it takes to convert them somehow into a relationship, into engaged fans? Add some value in some way. Add some value. You know, mm. do they, can you get them to leave their email address in exchange for the value that you've just provided, you mm -hmm. know, by producing an e by downloading an ebook or by watching a video or signing up for a series or signing up for a webinar or, you know, many, one of the many other ways in mm. which you can capture an email address. Mm. So, but getting back to the, to the SEO and, and, and the, the importance of search engines, there is a value that you can put on how you rank. And I know we've just recently ran a report on your, your own website, for example, mm -hmm. and we can, I can tell you that the keywords that you are ranking for organically, and that is resulting in 60% of your traffic, that's where it comes from, right? People typing in appreciative inquiry or, you know, typing in appreciative inquiry questions or typing in any other of these search phrases by which they're looking and you pop up and they click through and they read your articles and they're interested and they subscribe. Those things have value because if you bought them on Google AdWords, we know that they would cost you $2,400 a month. Mm. And that's roughly $30,000 worth of free advertising that mm -hmm. you're getting. So 
I, you know, I think it's important to. Is that because those keywords have a value? Yes. Okay. The if you want, if you know, you can buy this traffic, right? So you can go out and you buy a Google ad. But you know for that when you inquiry. see it, right? Yeah, like you, you yeah. would, but the, you know that doesn't. That's still a good thing. Search traffic is very intentional. People are looking for an appreciative inquiry consultant. They type that into a web browser. There's something called search intent baked into that search. You know, they're they're looking for something, and if you can provide the answer and say, "Hey, I'm a I'm an appreciative mm. inquiry consultant. Look at my site." You know, you just mm. so a lot of people just pay the money, uh-huh. right? Two dollars and fifty, three to four dollars a click. It might cost you hundreds of dollars for an engagement. Mm-hmm. Um, and if you run ads worth of 20, 30, 40 dollars a, a day, you know, you might get some business mm. out of it. Is that is that sticky though? Does that last? No, that's a very good point. Uh, as soon as you start paying, the traffic stops. Oh, so you're only on page one because you're a paid advertiser. You're a paid ad, you right. know, and it's, it's even, you know, yeah. you, there's Actually, a little yeah, link on it, that, you yeah. know, there's a little circle that says, oh, this, mm-hmm. by the way, this is an ad. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, but so this is just to say that the effort that you spend in getting your content SEO optimized or found organically mm-hmm. without paying anything has longevity. Mm. That is going to last for years and it has worth, right? These The keywords for which you rank at $2,400, $500 a month mm-hmm. over the period of two or three years is that you're getting into hundreds of thousands of dollars mm, of free true. traffic yeah. that's a sustainable yeah, portion yeah. of the business. So that's why it's a strategy, right? You've got to really – and you've got to look at the integration um, of all of these things, how they all work together. So, I mean, I I would like for us uh, I mean, in the few, if you could, if you you know come back and we really go into SEO, search engine optimization, because I think that's a key one. Because what I've learned from you is about how you write blog posts with headlines and with heading twos and how you pick the keywords so that you know you're really. It's scientific. It's actually, you actually have to do the research in order to be able to do that rather than just pick a title that you want because you think it sounds great. And so there's something around that I would like us to develop further. But where I want to go right now is you talked about blogs, but um, let's talk a little bit about podcasting because I also know some people who are interested in creating their own podcasts or you know getting a podcast started. So talk to us about that as a content mark, you know, as, co- as content marketing. And maybe you have a story about how you've helped somebody other than me, <laughs> um, you know, elevate their podcast to be number one in iTunes and then to keep showing up, you know, in the search, in, you know, moving up, you know, the Google, in, in their Google juice to, um, you know, page one, two, and three. Yeah, that's a, it's an interesting um, you know, that's an interesting thing because we, I mean, we love podcasting for many reasons mm-hmm. um, because of the relationship and the audio medium and the closeness that you start feeling when you subscribe to a podcast. You know, a podcast subscriber, I would position, has a different relationship with you than a blog subscriber or someone who just comes across your written content. Mm. There is an emotional connection that gets made when you listen to radio or audio as as a medium. So I would say on one level, this this potential to build some super fans or, you know, like really have followers that are emotionally connected in some ways, you know, to your content mm. um, is is a big benefit. 
But many of the other benefits don't really have anything to do with audio or iTunes or even listeners. Wow. And that's something that a lot of the people that contact me because they want to get marketing advice for their podcasting, when they first appear at the door, so to speak, you know, or discover me or on the internet or, you know, or, and, and contact me for a strategy session or something like that. Um, you know, we wind up talking about their show and, you know, what their goals are. And their goals always are, I need more listeners. I mean, you know, I want more subscribers. And, and that is important when you're first launching the show to have as many subscribers as you can through iTunes. But that is not, for me, the most sustainable or effective area of focus. Rather, it is creating the show notes or quote-unquote blog posts about a podcast, single podcast episode, that's where the power comes from, from my perspective. I mean, it's, it's a little bit about going, not going on blind dates. I've written about that. And by that, I mean that an iTunes listener or someone who just subscribed through Stitcher or through some other audio medium, you'll never get their email address. They'll never visit your site. Mm. You know, they just listen to your podcast somewhere on a pretty impersonal device and they still may be very connected mm. and you have an excellent chance to in your podcast episode in the audio to mention additional resources gifts or things about your guests things that would entice them to come and visit your show notes page mm. to the point where you even give them a short url right positivitystrategist.com slash ps54 this is 89 by the way this is 89 (laughs) positivitystrategist.com slash ps89 89 thank you um but that you know if you want to find out more go to that url and there that is where the real power is because there the show notes basically get indexed by google Mm. the show notes can be linking to additional downloads that can get someone to subscribe to either the podcast or to download those resources from you. It can trigger email series on which you help people with additional value-add content around the topic of that particular post or podcast episode. So that is, you know, it, it puts into motion the potential of content marketing and, you know, the potential of building a relationship a little more closely than, you know, mm. the blind date version, which is, you know, going on a blind date without ever asking for someone's name, mm-hmm. you know, like <laughs> that's the part that we want to avoid, right? If you, if, you know, if you, if you like the content, you know, you've got to somehow convert it. And, and maybe that comes back to what we were talking about earlier, is that if I could gift you $10,000 worth of traffic, what would you do with it? There needs to be a a hierarchy and something at the back end your website mm. needs to do work for you mm. it needs to function you know it's not about the way it looks but it needs to function to capture those people that are likely to be collaborators or clients or would want to work with you would want to become fans and subscribe to your content and get them to subscribe or share you know it's the beginning of this journey um, and mm. there are some fundamental things that need to be in place mm. uh, before that is really feasible. Yeah, so the value of people returning to your site, does that feature in in any way? I mean, is that measured differently from first-time visitors to returning visitors? There's a decay in terms of length of time, you know, like someone Uh visiting like once a year, you know, Mm -hmm. isn't going to be as powerful. But yes, Google actually recognizes Mm -hmm. um, how often people come to your site. I mean, the repeat visitors 
Google cares not just about whether um, you have new people coming to see your site, but also how much time they spend and how they engage. And actually, that's something that I meant to mention before, mm. is that is good news for people who've been writing great content for a long time and are thinking that, well, no one is discovering me. Mm -hmm. um, SEO and Google search engine optimization five to six years ago was a very different animal than it is now. Google is deploying artificial intelligence in much cleverer ways. And that's good news for many of us that are writing quality content. Because now, more than before, you know, you were able to game the system three, four, five years ago and basically make pretty crappy content rank reasonably high if you had the technical knowledge to do that. That's no mm. longer as possible. And today, Google has the latest algorithm changes Google has rolled out is called Rank Brain. And it is a form of artificial intelligence. And what it measures is audience engagement with the content. Mm. So it is how long someone spends reading, how far down do they scroll, what other links do they click within your site. That carries far more importance mm. than just the technical SEO of how you structured your post or how many times you used the keyword. Those things are still need to be there a little bit. Um, you know, but the good news is that the engagement with your content and if someone finds it interesting, that's what Google ranks much more highly mm. and you are more likely to move up in the search results uh, as a result. Mm. Well, that is very encouraging because it puts the focus on quality and I know you've yes, mentioned to exactly. me that, you know, long-form posts are more valuable than lots of short ones as well. Yeah, that's a, maybe that's another practical tip mm -hmm. is, is that be aware that Google has several sort of inflection points. And one happens at about 300 words. So if you're writing some content or a blog post and you're doing quick, I mean, unless you're, you know, Seth Godin or a celebrity who already has a huge following, you know, he can afford to write just quick little posts and, mm -hmm. you know, and he will still get some pretty good uh, Google results mm -hmm. or, you know, those might be found. But for the most of us, If we're writing content under 300 words, you can pretty much count on that that's never going to be discovered by the search engine, so mm -hmm. it's never going to feature as recommended content. Really, you can look at it as Google is trying to satisfy the person who is just searching for a term. And what's the highest and best possible content? And that means that usually it's, it's longer. So 700 words can stand a chance. Uh, 1,500 words to, to, you know, like there's a, there's a break point at 2,000 words. And if you're writing articles that are longer than 2,000 words, Google is much more likely to look at that as quote-unquote authoritative mm -hmm. content. Mm -hmm. uh, so, and this authority-type content, that is one way in which you can get articles to rank. Mm -hmm. um, but it also depends on how many links are there to that piece of authoritative content, both on your own website and on other people's websites. Right. So if you can get, you know, if Entrepreneur Magazine thinks your article is the greatest thing since sliced bag and links to it, that's about the best thing that can happen to you from an SEO perspective. Mm -hmm. Your chances of ranking in the top 10, top 20, 30, 40 search results just increase dramatically. Mm. Uh, but even you yourself linking to your hero posts or to your 
cornerstone posts, we often call them, as a whole form of content mm-hmm. strategy that we probably don't have time to go into today. Mm-hmm. But it's called a cornerstone. Some people call it redwood strategies, you know, but that's the idea that you're writing less, but that you're writing really, really long mm-hmm. articles that are authoritative mm-hmm. and that you then go through your old stuff, your old blog articles, and you link to that one. Beca- mm-hmm. And why? Because Google has things, things called spiders and spider webs are the perfect metaphor for this because what you want at the center of that spiderness is your hero post, that big article, right. that yeah. big piece of authoritative content and out you know, towards the outer edges of the spokes, right. the spokes of that spider net, you know, mm. are the smaller articles that link to it. And when Google bots crawl your site, they say, aha, you know, mm. this article over here, all these articles are linking to it. That must be an important piece of content. And so just by that, mm. you've just ranked, you've just moved up, you know, a few more spots mm. in the search result ranking. Yeah. I don't know whether that's helpful. But. That's great. I think, um, I think the audience is going to love that because I, I see most of them as um, high quality content creators, you know, many authors and speakers so quality content is really important yes and some of our SEO courses we teach the practices that are basically around this right because it means that when you when you write one of those articles Mm. you're not quite done Mm. you've got to go back into your older posts and create and refresh your older posts and link to that brand new you know piece of authoritative content to create that spider web of links Yes, work to be done. Work I, to be done I understand yes, that, I'm right? Sorry about that. Um, well, there's so much more, and so I, it would be great if we could come up with a list. And I'd love to hear from you, listeners. You know what you think has been valuable about this, um, because as I said, I think I get comments about people saying, "Well, how do you do this?" and you know, "How do you do your marketing?" So I'm kind of um, revealing my secrets at the moment because I have been guided and coached by Jurgen. And he does that for other entrepreneurs and content creators too. So just, I mean, I just wonder, is there a story that you would like to share about how you've helped somebody just so that, you know, this wonderful, um, you know, the, the way in which you're doing this, you know, there are deliverables and people are seeing results. I mean, there's my results, of course, but I'm just wondering if there's somebody else that you, whose story you could talk about. Oh, sure. I mean, there's so many great stories and, and, you know, like, and that's, what um, what makes you know that's what gives me energy is is you know when it's working well for someone or when mm. I receive feedback on like hey this worked great. Mm. Um, well, one is a podcast story of someone who didn't have a podcast. This is a person in the customer experience space and uh, already a well-known author with several books out there. And uh, and I think the struggle often I mean she struggled with trying to find more topics to write about. You know, after a while, you sort of exhaust the kinds of things that you talk about. And having a structure behind the content that you create, in other words, this intention uh, and this intentionality is, you know, really important because the themes and the ability to cross-link these posts, you know, and this isn't just for your, this isn't just for search engines. We That's not who we create or write for. We create this content for the actual people who are our fans and, and in some cases listeners. So in her case, the, you know, she was willing to launch a podcast and she loved it. You know, she loved it from day one. She loved the experience of doing it. And we take care of all the tech and we take care of 
writing the articles and creating the show notes and getting transcriptions done and, you know, and SEO optimizing. And so she didn't have to worry about that. Um, but she loved the experience of interviewing other thought leaders in her, in her field. Mm -hmm. And basically the content strategy creates itself. And that's the wonderful thing about podcasting, right? And so she launched the show and even though, you know, she wasn't particularly keen on wanting to rank number one in iTunes or anything like that, it is now, you know, if, if you search for customer experience podcast, you know, you will find her show on page one of Google, mm. um, you know, which is something we engineered, of course, and, you know, in, in creating some of this content for her. But that's been a real success story. And uh, whether it's book launches or whether it is, you know, other kinds of things that you're trying to grow and put out there in the world, you know, mm. they're greatly augmented. Um, the other thing I would throw in there in terms of podcasting also is the reverse is actually guesting and making appearance appearances on other people's podcasts mm -hmm. and especially when you're you know when you have one yourself it's it's a little easier to get on mm -hmm. shows and to make the circuit and we know many many people who look use that as a book launch strategy mm -hmm. and are going onto the podcasting mm -hmm. circus where, where they're being interviewed by other entrepreneurs and thought leaders and so forth. Yeah, absolutely. Um, yeah, so um, lots to talk about. So I think also we we know we haven't even touched about how you uh, um, invite people to to connect with you through lead magnets and having lead pages for your products and services. So there's so much more I know that you can offer people. So we'll come up with a little strategy for that. So Jürgen, in conclusion then, um, I just want to say thank you so much for sharing all this fabulous information it's really worked for me and i know I was, it's worked for I others little, i was a little hesitant you know because it's uh, you know there, there is a lot of appreciation or appreciative mm. inquiry to be found in the nooks and crannies of mm. these strategies and in how they really actually function by osmosis i absorb things about appreciative inquiry thank you thanks to you mm. um, so i know that there, there are many you know appreciative aspects to to this marketing thing but in general still i'm not sure whether you're i'm hoping that your audience will find mm. some use in the more practical you know yeah. elements of it yeah um, well we're saying you know that we in our community we need to get smarter at bringing other skill sets and knowledge sets you know we're very focused on our own content and what we do and getting our message out there and marketing ourselves is something that we have a lot to learn and so I think this is a great start. So I'm, I'm hoping it's a value to, to the community. So Jürgen, how can people connect with you? I'll just put, you know, if you'd like to say it, if people are not going to the show notes, because it'll all show up on the show notes page. But if you would just like to um, just give your, you know, say your name, email and sure, your email yeah, yeah. in your website. Um, sure, you can reach me at polymash.com. That's P-O-L-Y-M-A-S-H. Basically, a mashup of many things. You know, Polly was, I guess, the Greek for many. That's how we came up with the <laughs> with this sort of funky uh, agency name. But uh, you know, so you can reach me at polymash.com. There are many contact forms, and you can explore a little bit uh, about the kinds of stuff that we do. Um, or you can just reach me at uh, Jurgen at polymash.com. That's J U E R G E N at polymash.com. Feel free to drop me a line, and uh, you know, maybe we can explore some more and, you know, do some more of this at some point. Um, well, thank you. I would love that. Okay, folks, so that's it. I know you do great content out there and I know that you want to be be seen. So, you know, we put the hours in, we put the days in, the weeks, the months and the years of work 
And um, and so um, it's time that all this became visible. Well, that's my. I think that would be my last comment. Is mm-hmm. is that it always blows my mind that people have this resistance to learning a little bit about the marketing and SEO side of things mm-hmm. after they've spent countless hours creating this wonderful content. Mm-hmm. You know, the time investment uh, required to bring some of this stuff to the foreground just pales. It's it's nothing. It's a drop in the bucket uh, when you compare it to the time investment mm-hmm. that goes into creating this content in the first mm-hmm. place. Well, I want to thank you for being my muse, inspiration and coach. <laughs> and I know other people who work with you have that same experience. So thanks again, Jürgen. Well, thank you, Robin. Also, you can be notified of new episodes by email. Links to all these suggestions are available on positivitystrategist.com forward slash podcast. Thank you for listening and remember what you focus on grows. So grow towards your best. <laughs>